Welcome in Three Crosses family. My name is Lisa Landrum and I serve in the women's ministry at Three Crosses. AJ and Max are leading the podcast today. But before we get started, I want to talk about the Three Crosses Women's Retreat. September 30th through October 2nd, we are going to Hume Lake. We are going to be hosted by none other than Megan Fate Marshman. And I have to tell you, she was my whole unlock. And I'm hoping that some of you will go and just be unlocked as well. The cost is $2.95. We have scholarships. And with that, let's go deeper. Well, hey, Three Crosses family, AJ here. Uh, today's a special episode. We had a Celebrate New Life service. And so to talk about celebrating new life, we brought in Max Critchfield. Max is the director of our college ministry here, college age ministry. So uh, Max, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. Yeah. So before we go into the content, just a quick note about the women's ministry event. If you want to go to that, as Lisa was saying, uh, it, the link will be in the show notes. So I encourage you to scroll down and find that link. But Max, it's great to have you. Uh, I remember one of our conversations when you first came on board was talking about, hey, we should start some sort of a podcast. And uh, here we are talking about celebrating new life. And so it's going to be awesome. That's true. God's plan. Here we are. Here we are. Happy to be here today. And so we should celebrate. And so that's kind of the one word I want to focus on, uh, celebration. Sure. I think it's a word that kind of gets, you know, maybe we don't really quite understand it because we're just getting thrown so much bad news and, you know, it's always down. Uh, one of the books I was reading uh, in preparation for this episode was uh, Richard Foster's Celebration of Disciplines. And in that book, he puts celebration at the very end of his book after talking about these disciplines like praying, fasting, studying scripture, these outward disciplines like service, solitude, simplicity, and then finally ending it with these corporate disciplines like worship, confession. And then he ends it with celebration saying all of these disciplines before kind of help us escape from the world. And then it kind of fuels celebration, which then leads us back into spiritual discipline. So it creates this like cycle of disciplines. And so celebration, it's kind of an interesting thought to think of it as a discipline. And mm -hmm. so Max, when you hear the word celebration and when you think about the spiritual disciplines, what comes to mind? Can you help us think better about this practice of celebrating? Yeah, you know, I think even as you were just saying that, what came to mind was um, the end of Jesus' parable in Luke 15 about the prodigal sons, you know, and um, thinking about, you know, the younger son who squanders his inheritance and, you know, returns and it says, you know, just wraps the robe around him, puts the ring on his finger, welcomes him in. It's time to celebrate because my son was lost and is found. He was dead and he's been brought back to life, you know, and the older brother doesn't like that. He doesn't like the celebrating, you know, and he kind of goes out from the party. He refuses to enter in, but really in the kingdom of God, in response to, you know, death giving way to new life through Jesus Christ, we, we see celebration, you know, just a rejoicing in the working of God. And, and even as you said, you know, there's times where I think that's where maybe the discipline comes in because it can be easy when, you know, just the bad news keeps coming when we're the resolution maybe we're hoping for hasn't come yet to, um, to just not have the heart to celebrate or just, or even also just to think, okay, I'm going to celebrate once everything 
gets fixed, you know, and everything is all kind of put together, then I'm going to celebrate. And I think that the Christian message is no, because the victory that's been secured for us in Jesus Christ, even in the midst of suffering, even when we're waiting for this resolution, we're rejoicing because even as the hardship perhaps continues, we know that ultimate victory has been secured for us. We've been given a place in, in the Father's house. And so um, we're kind of, we're taking a victory lap, you know, no matter what's happening. I, I think about what Paul wrote in Second Corinthians when he said, um, you know, we're sorrowful, yet we're always rejoicing. And these were people who were going through incredible suffering for the cause of the gospel, you know, and they said, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we're sad about. There's a lot of adversity that we're facing, but we're always rejoicing because we have the victory through Jesus Christ. And so that, um, you know, who, who can be against us if God is for us? And I think that kind of reminding ourselves of this, these truths can cause celebration to well up within us, even as we wait um, for the things that we're looking for. And in fact, it's very difficult to be able to celebrate, like you said, take that victory lap, especially when our culture is throwing so many things at us, trying to tell us that, hey, this, where is your victory? You know, where is this joy that can happen? And so I'm wondering if you could walk us through a little bit of maybe a practical uh, couple steps of like how to celebrate, you know, it might be a weird question to ask because, you know, typically we think about just showing up at parties and like, yeah, we should celebrate like birthdays and family, like uh, milestones or whatnot. But like, how does scripture speak into celebration? Yeah, I think, um, I think a big category perhaps that have, you know, spiritual practice that can fuel celebration for us would be gratitude. Hmm. You know, I mean, something uh, I've recently been going on just walks in the evenings with my kids after I come home from work and just trying to, you know, create, you know, ask questions that will prompt conversation. And something that I'll ask my daughter is, you know, what's something that made you smile today? Mm-hmm. And uh, because if I ask her, hey, what'd you do today? It's like nothing, you know, <laughs> she, doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't have an answer. But it's like, what's something that made you smile today? You know, and that maybe prompts a little more thoughtfulness. And um, I think it can be about perspective. In fact, I kind of have this like soapbox thing about um, sometimes we think of these two categories of like optimism and pessimism. You know, Mm -hmm. optimism is kind of like this, you know, everything's great even when it's not great. We're just trying to like convince ourselves that everything's okay even when it's not. And then pessimism is just kind of this posture where like kind of Eeyore, you know, Mm -hmm. just everything's bad, nothing's going to work out. Um, And I think one kind of a biblical posture that kind of cuts through both of those is hope, you know, and just this idea that I can be honest about the reality of hard things, you know, that maybe have been in my life acutely for a short period of time or are persisting. But in spite of that, I have this gospel hope. I have this reason to celebrate. And a lot of times what can fuel that heart of celebration is just stopping to think about the ways that I'm experiencing the goodness of God in my life. You know, I think about, you know, uh, the people when they crossed over the Jordan River and, you know, God commanded them to take stones from the bottom of the river, you know, create this monument so that, you know, when you're grumbling, you know, when times are hard, you can look at this pile of rocks and remember God's deliverance, God's goodness to you. Right. And so I think that creating moments, whether that's conversation with our kids, whether it's just a question we ask ourselves and we're journaling about, you know, like, man, how, how has God been good to me? Like, yeah, the the stuff is hard in my life and it's maybe has been and it will continue to be, but the goodness of God is right there with me. And I think that can give us hope and give us a reason to celebrate, can lift our spirit. Even as we acknowledge, 
you know, the, the, the reality of what is, and that might include difficult things. And we've been talking about the first century, you know, Christian culture at the time, and these people would have been practicing these different feasts and, you know, celebrating the Passover lamb that gave them, mm-hmm. you know, victory over the Egyptians, yeah. celebrating the feast of weeks. That was like their first sort of harvest. And then the, the feast of booths, which comes right after the, the day of atonement. So it's almost like the calendar itself in Jewish culture reminded them constantly of what you're saying. God's, you know, the way God is showing up in your life. And I, I love that imagery of God even setting times in the calendar to celebrate Mm -hmm. that itself. Yeah. I think uh, creating rhythms and routines, whether those are yeah in the scriptures or things we set for ourselves or for our families and seeing that kind of pattern in the scriptures of setting aside times to remember God's deliverance, right? God's goodness, the Passover, like literally God's, you know, this destroying angel passing over God's people that Mm -hmm. led to this dramatic deliverance that he had promised. And just thinking like, yeah, when have I just felt God overshadowing me with his goodness, you know, delivering me out. And I think we can find reasons to worship and give thanks um, in any circumstance. That's how I think we can be sorrowful, but always rejoicing. Um, and we can make room for that in our lives. In the same way, we at Three Crosses have developed this rhythm of celebrate new life services that celebrate this very thing, this baptism yes. and child dedications. And so I want to get into that second half uh, celebrate new life yeah. uh, through the the practice of baptism, and man, Max, there's so many things we could be talking about baptism. There's and a lot for if, sure. <laughs> if you guys have any questions, feel free to email or look at our website threecrosses.org/baptism. But uh, there's kind of this in in conversations, theological conversations. It's oftentimes a matter of what exactly is baptism associated with, and so I pulled three different things, um, and I'd love for you to talk on them uh, for us today on this episode. Um, So the first association that's often made with baptism is some piece of salvation itself is in baptism. People would point to like 1 Peter 3 verse 7, which says that this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. So there's an explicit link between salvation and baptism. Or John 3 5, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. A lot of people will point to unless one is born of water as like, hey, there's a necessary thing happening with baptism. So in the, in terms of that association, what would you say to that? Yeah, you know, I think we as a church would affirm that we're uh, saved by faith. You know, I think about Romans 10, 9 and 10, you know, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know, and for example, in that case, we don't see, and you're baptized, then you will be saved. Right, you know, that right. there's kind of this, uh, our view being that, uh, you know, baptism is kind of an outward sign of an inward reality that I have been justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus talks about if you'll, like just in the same way that the serpent was lifted up in the desert, um, that all who look upon me when the son of man is lifted up will live. Mm. And, um, and so that really gets to the heart of kind of what we believe about salvation, you know, and how we are brought from death to life. It's by just by grace through faith, you know, putting our trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ for us. And uh, obviously baptism has this central place in Christian practice for, um, for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's this distinction between saved by faith and then the act of baptism that follows. So we want to make that clear salvation by faith 
alone, which leads to another association that is commonly made um, between baptism and circumcision. So in the Old Testament, circumcision was kind of the symbol that people underwent, um, specifically males at the age of eight, um, that they belonged to this new community set apart by God. And so in the same way, baptism is sort of like this same act that people take uh, part of that makes them belong. And so uh, they point to like Colossians 2, 11 through 12 that says, In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So there's an association in the conversation between circumcision and baptism, which then leads to some implications. But Max, I'm going to stop there. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> yeah, we were just you know talking about this before the show started. And, you know, I was just thinking about things, for example, like the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians, you know, where he has strong things to say about people who were teaching at the time that, yes, you need faith in Jesus Christ, but you also need adherence to these symbols, you know, to, for example, circumcision, you know, he calls them mutilators of the flesh. You know, he says anybody who's seeking to add to this gospel message um, is not doing a good thing, you know, and so. But at the same time, like you were saying that this baptism is this identification um, with Jesus Christ, being like buried with him, being raised to new life. I mean, I love that wording, you know, when we baptize somebody and I'm, you know, they've confessed their faith in Christ and I say buried in their sins, raised to new life. You bring them up and it's so dramatic, you know, and it's this picture, right? We're identifying with Christ. We're kind of imaging what Christ did, right? Being buried in death, being raised to new life and we're raised with him and um, we're making that public declaration, right, that we are part of the covenant people of God, mm-hmm. right, that we have crossed over from death to life because we put our trust in him. And we're not just keeping that to ourselves, right? We're telling it to our church body, to the world, that I am identifying with Jesus Christ. And so I think in that sense, um, you know, I, I think about Acts chapter 2 when Peter gives his, his sermon and people are this is they're cut to the heart. What should we do? He says, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you, for everyone whom the Lord would call to himself. You know, so we see that that link. You know, obviously we're talking about, um, you know, we're, we're getting into deep waters. When we're talking about, you know, faith and baptism and those connections. And as AJ, you mentioned, we you know have position papers and things where we get into more of kind of our doctrine and theology about baptism. But... Um, it's kind of in the purposes of our conversation, just thinking about the beauty of that, of identifying with Jesus Christ, acknowledging him before others that, uh, yeah, I put my trust in Jesus, but I don't tell anybody about it. You know, I mean, we're kind of before our faith family saying, I have been made new through my faith in Jesus Christ and I'm identifying with him and I'm picking up my cross and walking with him, following him. Yeah. Some really important passages that have meant a lot to me is in, uh, Deuteronomy 10 and then Deuteronomy 30 that talk about like the foreshadowing of a need for a circumcised heart. Mm. And so like, there's this powerful imagery of circumcision being like the very member of the male body that would bring about the seed, the promised seed of the woman that would crush the serpent mm. in Jesus Christ and uh, the danger of that very member. And so thinking about like the fulfillments of circumcision in Jesus Christ, uh, that new covenant, new heart that we received and uh just the, yeah, that beautiful imagery of baptism, which is that third association that I wanted to talk about. Um, it seems like Jesus in his ministry commandeered a lot of different symbolism. So 
for example, I'm thinking of communion itself was a symbol that was practiced uh, to remember the Passover, the, sure. the, the lamb that was uh, slain for and then posted on the doorposts in Exodus. And uh, the bread kind of symbol had these important uh, communion symbols. And then Jesus says, no, this is now in remembrance of me. So he kind of commandeered it. I think of imagery like the temple, right? The temple where Jesus says, now the temple, think of it as like my body where it's going to be destroyed and then three days later it's going to be re-raised. And so what do you say to people that use symbolic language in speaking uh, with baptism? Yeah, you know, I think we would just start by saying it's it's not just a symbol. You know, kind of as we said, it's this outward sign of this inward reality, you know, and I think that can also be spoken to in our practice of baptism by immersion, you know, that we're kind of continuing that language, you know, of being buried, of kind of going beneath the waters and then being raised to this new life. And we, um, you know, I think about when Jesus was teaching, he said, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So kind of in entering into the, the baptismal waters, so to speak, and I'm, I'm being put beneath the waters. I'm, I'm choosing dying to myself. You know, I'm, I'm releasing control of my life just as, as Jesus laid down his life. And then I'm being raised up. You know, there's just, there's a power in that, in that declaration, um, that we're making before, others that uh, we are choosing to walk in the way of Jesus. And so, um, you know, it was commanded by our Lord, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, you know, so it's, it's kind of part and parcel of Jesus's command to, to us, what we would call the great commission. This is what I want you as the church to be going out and doing in the world, you know, empowered by the Holy Spirit as my witnesses. And, um, having people identify with Christ through baptism is this integral part of that. So we went on the deep end in baptism. Some of you yeah, guys, we, did. we got into some deep waters there. Some of you listeners might be feeling submerged into the deep end oh, here. So let's bring them out here, Max, really him. quick. If you could give an elevator pitch for baptism and why somebody should be baptized, what would you say? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons why I think, uh, you know, to follow the example of Jesus who himself entered the waters of baptism, you know, you might argue, but did he need to do that? You know, did he need to be forgiven? You know, but this, we see this, him entering into these waters and invites us to do the same. Right. And I, I think about Acts, I guess chapter eight with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, and he comes alongside him. He reads the scriptures. He explains to him about the good news of Jesus and they see some water and he's like, why, why can't I be baptized? You know? And so it's just like right there, you know, just this, this joy, this celebration of this person, like coming to understand the good news of Jesus Christ and, um, and just the desire just connected with that to be baptized is just kind of like hand in hand, you know? And so I, you know, I talk with some folks it's like, Hey, you know, I'm waiting to be baptized. Maybe until the time is right. You know, you might be out there listening to this and maybe you haven't been baptized yet. And you're just kind of wondering. And, uh, I think I would say today's a great day to get baptized. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever today is when you're listening to this podcast, today's a great day. If you've put your trust in Jesus, um, if you're walking in faith with him, um, if you've been made new by the power of the gospel, um, today's a great day, you know? And, uh, I mean, there's a lot, you know, practical concerns of inviting, you know, people who are meaningful to you to witness that, to celebrate with them. Um, but I think that that's part of that celebrating new life is, um, 
I'm identifying with Christ. And perhaps for many people, they've, they're already doing that. Um, but this is something that Jesus invites us into and invites us to obey this command, uh, to be baptized, to declare our faith um, in him uh, before the world and to walk with him. I know as somebody who's been baptized myself and being an onlooker of these Celebrate New Life services, it just means so much. There's something really powerful about people sharing their testimony and then being baptized, being dumped into the water and then raised to that new life and celebrating with them. And so the last question here, uh, I've been struck at this First Peter series. We've been talking about our identity in Christ and it's landed in First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, which was last week, on this rock-solid identity that is on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, but is also understood as we look to our community, as we see ourselves as part of a community. And so we've just gotten done celebrating new life, celebrating uh, child dedication, celebrating even new members to this church. And so one of the last questions I have for you is, what do you feel like is the significance of celebrating with your church family? Yeah, you know, I think there's something that's energizing about it. Like even as you were just talking, I was thinking about sometimes like when you go to weddings, you know, my wife and I have been married for 15 years this next month. And um, I think there's something powerful when we go to a wedding together and we hear somebody take those vows, you know, and um, I'm just invited to kind of remember the beauty of what sometimes I forget about, you know what I mean? And, uh, I'm, I feel energized sometimes to pursue kind of that picture of what God means husband and wife to be having witnessed that myself. And I think that there's a powerful witness to the church to see people who are publicly declaring their faith in Christ through baptism. I think it has, can have a catalyzing effect for us to see, you know, somebody just telling the redemption story and how that's, you know, the grace of God has intersected their life wherever they're coming from. And it's amazing. It's so beautiful in our incredibly diverse body to hear from children, you know, grandparents, people from all generations who have encountered the grace of God. And, um, you know, the scripture I was thinking about when you were talking was uh, in Second Corinthians, you know, where it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Hmm. Speaking about identity, right? The old has passed away, the new has come. And that's part of this, you know, the symbolism of baptism, speaking about that earlier of kind of this idea of purification, you know, mm-hmm. rising out of these waters, new, cleansed, right? And just this idea that by, by the blood of Jesus, we're made clean, we're made new. And sometimes when I'm tempted to kind of be, feel pessimistic or down on myself because of my past, or because of who I used to be, you know, just that gospel truth that I'm a new person now, you know, I'm not who I used to be because of the grace of God. And I think that witnessing baptism, celebrating as a church family, um, you know, just kind of hooting and hollering with people here in the sanctuary, um, who are standing up, you know, to publicly declare that they're new creations in Jesus Christ. They're members of the covenant community, the family of God, um, it's just, it's energizing, you know, to see people come up out of those waters and say, yes, I am a new person. I am telling the world that I am a follower of Jesus. And I think it can encourage us, literally put courage into us to be bolder witnesses ourselves. Max, I want to thank you for coming and wrestling with this concept of celebration and baptism. You actually have something going on in the fall where people are invited to wrestle with some more things with uh, you and some other people on our staff. So, Max, could you tell us what's going on in the fall and uh, yeah, extend that invite to people? Yeah, sure. We're um, 
doing a kind of a discipleship initiative. We're trying to launch a, a bunch of new small groups and kind of getting people into community kind of as this fall season begins. And we have a lot of things, a lot of really fun stuff that's happening here on Wednesday nights. We have our student ministry gatherings. Then we have family ministry stuff. We have some like some of our 3C equip things that we're doing. We're trying to have small groups meeting on the church campus on Wednesday nights. And one of those that we're launching is something called Rooted. And it's, it's a discipleship curriculum that was kind of developed in partnership with a church here stateside called Mariners and some international churches. Um, I just, uh, just uh, like a discipleship course where you kind of have daily readings and we would, we'll be gathering on Wednesday nights, kind of in that 6.30 to 8.30 time slot to kind of talk through that together and talk about how kind of we're encountering God through our readings and, you know, being with him and things like that. So if we're maybe relatively new to the faith or if, if we've been around for some time, you know, but we'd like maybe a more intentional sort of experiential learning community, um, we're just excited to see what God might do with that. So uh, I think that's going to be in the cafe. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be meeting in that, you know, 6.30 to 8.30 time slot. There's dinner available on Wednesday nights. And then we'll kind of, we have a, there's a book that we'll all kind of read during the week together. And we have some amazing facilitators who've agreed to kind of hop on and see kind of what God might do with this time. And uh, I'm really excited to see uh, what God might have in store for people who are interested in uh, that kind of kind of small group experience. So that's coming up. I think the 31st will be sort Correct. of the launch and kind of, Hey, what is rooted kind of explain more about it. And if you're interested and then the following week we would sort of begin the material. So awesome. So come on out August 31st, yeah. 630 dinners provided childcare does childcare is there. Yep. And so you'll see Max there. And so Max, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. 